Welcome back. It's your guest host, Deb Hutton. Thanks so much for being along with me this afternoon here until 6 o'clock. And tomorrow, a special guest host, John Moore, is going to turn things upside down for us. He will be doing the rush from 2 to 6, and John Tory will be doing more in the morning starting at 6 a.m. tomorrow. So a fun program lined up for Valentine's Day right here on News Talk 1010. But right now, it is time for Smart Speakers. This afternoon, I'm joined by Guratan Singh, who is the Vice President at Crestview Strategy, a community advocate and lawyer, and Sarbjit Kaur, who is co-founder of KPW Communications. Welcome back to The Rush. Let's start with a topic we haven't yet discussed this afternoon, and that is that approximately 650 communications, electricians, and signal workers at the TTC, all members of QP Local 2, are in a strike position. They have been without a contract since March of 2022. They got a strike mandate. Uh, The union did from its workers on February the 8th, I think around 99%. Just want your general take on this uh, at a time when we are trying to get more ridership on the TTC, restore levels uh, to where they were pre-pandemic. What is your thought on this? I'll start with you, Sarjeet. Uh, well, obviously, it's going to be hugely inconvenient to so, so many people, and that's not something that people want to deal with in addition to having regular interruptions and other things that come with uh, you know, trying to get to and from work. But what really jumped out to me was this uh, idea that uh, people are struggling with the cost of living and housing, and that's why they need the higher wages. And it's you know very, very insightful to see how housing costs affects and has a ripple effect throughout the whole economy and impacts so many people because when people can't afford to live in the city and they can't afford the expenses that come with that, that means they need higher wages and that means higher fares and everybody is impacted. So the challenge um, with what Sarjit just said, Gratton, is that the city decided not to hike fares to help cover some of the uh, inflationary uh, costs of wage increases. And so, you know, it, it in turn then becomes a taxpayer issue. So let's let's actually reel this issue back a little bit. We're not seeing a strike yet from these TTC workers. There's no uh, Im- imminent strike upon us. This is the regular process of labor negotiations where a union will ask for a strike mandate. So they got a strike mandate, and this is the process in which they, they show a strong strong strike mandate. They then go to the employer, the city, and then they start the negotiation process. So, you know, we're, we're, subways are, and DTC will be operating as per usual until further notice. I'm actually really hopeful because we know that Olivia Chow has demonstrated that she's a deal maker. She's someone who's making deals with, with you know, as, as unlikely friends as, as Doug Ford to the Trudeau liberals and more. So I think this is a, a regular process uh, that we're going to see. We're, you know, it's a good thing. This is our, our labor and, uh, you know, the, our labor negotiations at, at work before us. And, and I'm very confident that with uh, Chow at the helm that we're going to see, a, you know, a very uh, a good resolution to this. 
There is, as of, uh, well, announced as of today, I was going to say as of today, there'll be no need to renew your license plate. Two years ago, Premier Doug Ford took away the $120 fee that was levied when you went to renew your license plate. And as of this morning, he has announced that there will be no need to actually go and, and physically renew your plate, that if you are up to date on your parking tickets and your 407 bills, that it will automatically be renewed. Is this a good idea or not, Sergeant? I love it. I would like to high-five Doug Ford for this. You know, I was a co-author of a white paper that talked about unpaid tickets and all of these different things that are essentially just another tax on people. And, um, you know, if you've forgotten your sticker, what is it for? If we can get rid of it, why did we need it in the first place? And I recently got a whole bushel of tickets because my driver's license was seven days overdue. And, I mean, there's a lot of this stuff that's just an additional hardship on people. And if we can get rid of it and make life simpler for people and save them money and unnecessary tickets and even the time that it takes to go online and do all these piddly tasks, I think it's great. Gratton. I think what we're seeing is uh, yesterday the headline news was uh, Ontario is repealing the unconstitutional Bill 124, which capped wages for public sector workers and healthcare workers and nurses. And this is a page out of the Doug Ford Conservative playbook, where the next day, after taking a huge loss, after seeing, you know, he put forth a policy that hurt workers across the board, including healthcare workers, and it was unconstitutional to do so. The next day, we see him trying to change the, uh, you know, change change the channel on his political misfortunes. Uh, with this, you know, something trying to be a populist win for his government. I think it demonstrates that he knows he's hurting, that he knows he took a big hit from this Bill 124. Uh, he's attempting to distract with, you know, a, you know, a good news story, but I don't think people are going to forget that our healthcare system is crumbling largely because of the unconstitutional Bill 124, which did not give incentives to people like nurses to, to stay employed in our hospitals and, and make sure we have a robust healthcare system. So I don't need to ask you about Bill 124 then. <laughs> you've oh, already, you can, you should, we you've already, you've already answered. We've got to talk about Bill 124. <laughs> you've already answered that topic. But I, yeah, so I hear your, your, you know, your, your political overlay on that. But does it make it a bad thing, a bad policy? It's, it's not a bad policy, but we do have to keep, the, keep in mind that like this was a huge like the this is obviously connected to the the sticker uh, the sticker uh, no cost of stickers, and this was like a huge a, a huge hit to our revenue. It's like I think close to a billion dollars if I if I remember correctly. So when we do have like it's, it's just it's a weird positioning for the government because on one hand we know the real issues right now are housing, healthcare, uh, education. He's not investing in healthcare. Uh, he's getting three point one billion from the feds despite sitting on twenty two billion of reserve funding, and as our hospitals. Are, are crumbling and then he, he does bring in these policies that you know lose us a billion dollars of revenue while also not cashing in on the penalties that 47 owes us which is a billion dollars of revenue so it just it seems like it, it's a, a, it's a it's a a bunch of decisions that ultimately weaken the province with a financial perspective so i'm always cautious of that Sarjeet, I'll give you a chance to uh, speak about Bill 124. Of course, um, the government has announced it is not appealing the lower court decision yesterday to the Supreme Court that said that Bill 124 was unconstitutional for unionized workers. Specifically, it was a two to one decision. Uh, Your general thoughts on that? 
You know, I think uh, besides the fact that it was it was unfair and unjust and ill-advised idea in the beginning and the fact that they wasted time and money fighting this in court, there's permanent damage been done. Those healthcare workers that have left the system, um, who've either decided that it wasn't worthwhile to, to work under these circumstances or have been snapped up by private healthcare agencies, um, you know, you hear that's, that's the top, top complaint that people have, that when they go to the hospital or they go to the family physician, they're not getting the healthcare that uh, they feel that uh, we should have. So I don't think it can be emphasized enough how harmful it is. It might seem like, okay, they tried it and now they're backtracking, no harm, no foul. But it's actually caused a huge amount of harm that there have been people, workers permanently left the system and it will take a long time to retrain the new nurses and all of these workers that they say that they're bringing online. And also, you know, who who can forget that uh, this essentially was a slap in the face of workers who really, really carried us through the pandemic and then they were subject to this cap. But what about the taxpayers in all this, right? The original intent of Bill 124 at a time when inflation was not what it is today or last year was to give increases to civil servants, to public servants, without astronomical increases. Well, I mean, it goes well, you know, I'll talk about that. Everyone's oh, sorry, dealing with the cost. Sorry, I mean, inflation affects every worker. If you if you are going to do it, then it should be for every single worker. Otherwise, you're discriminating against certain workers. And even across the public sector, it wasn't applied to every single public sector worker. So, I mean, the idea that you're trying to save taxpayers money just by saying people can't have their right to bargain or, you know, they're, they're struggling as well. Everyone has the right to fight for a living wage or negotiate. So to have someone unilaterally laterally cap it, it doesn't fly, which is exactly what the court has said. I mean, what if someone came to you tomorrow and said, this is what it is and you can't do anything about it and you just have to work under these circumstances? And clearly they had other options because they left and now we're stuck. Is that what the taxpayer wanted? No. Grattan Singh, Sarjeet Kaur, we'll be back after the break with more smart speakers. You're listening to The Rush on News Talk 1010. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. I'm your guest host, Deb Hutton. And right now I am joined by two of our News Talk 1010 smart speakers, Gratton Singh, who is the vice president at Crestview Strategy, a community advocate and lawyer, and Sarjeet Kaur, who is co-founder of KPW Communications. When we uh, broke off, we were talking about uh, a number of things happening at the provincial level. One of those things that was announced this morning is that the premier says he is going to introduce legislation that would require any future government to hold a referendum, uh, presumably during an election time, for uh, bringing forward a provincial carbon tax. I'll start with you on this one, Sarjeet. What is your view on a referendum on taxation? I don't think current governments should be trying to dictate what future governments are going to do because that's what elections are for and that's what election platforms and mandates are for. So maybe he should just worry about his own government and his own mandate and leave that for future voters to decide if they want to, you know, have some kind of a carbon tax or not. So it's a very strange strange concept to me. I think it's more just to kind of fearmonger about uh, the idea that a future government is going to bring in another tax, which is not even on the radar. So you don't like the notion of referendums on any topic at all or on this specific one? Well, we generally have a referendum. It's called an election. So in this country, we don't typically have 
you know, like a U.S. style that every single thing is going to be on a referendum. And sometimes that has limitations because it becomes, a, you know, a, people don't have the information or it's just a, a war of PR with different sides. So people vote for the government and the government has a mandate. And then if you're going to have a referendum on every little thing, I think logistically it becomes very difficult to govern like that. What's next if we just do a poll on everything? And, you know, you you, you give someone a job, you you. You give them a mandate that they're competent to do that. Sometimes the things they do might not be popular with everyone, but your chance is at the ballot box. Gratton, your view on it. I mean, I, I think that that with limited use, referendums can actually be an effective tool in our democracy. I think this is a huge, huge distraction that Doug Ford is doing. This is unworkable, unthinkable, and will probably, if he tries to implement it, go to his growing list of flip-flops. This is the flip-flop premier from the green belt that he's reversed his position on to appeal dissolution to now Bill 124. Add this to the list of unworkable, unrealistic legislation that he brings forward very timely after he has a huge loss like yesterday with this unconstitutional ruling of Bill 124. He's trying to change the channel. He's trying to distract. And he's doing so by putting forth these, you know, somewhat populist policies that, frankly, don't actually speak to what people are struggling with right now. They're not worried about these issues. They're worried about our crumbling healthcare issue, our healthcare system. They're worried about making sure they can have a home. That's what the premier should be focused on, not with these, uh, you know, just trying to get headlines. So uh, let me just push you back a little bit on this, Grattan, because I don't know why or how a referendum is unworkable. It's unworkable when it comes to exactly what Sarbjit said, <clears throat> trying to control the policies of future governments. Our elections are a perfect opportunity for a referendum. That's when people have the right to say we're happy or against a specific policy. And for the premier to try to control specifically such a narrow scope too around carbon pricing, like this is clearly tied to his anti-scientific agenda and his anti-climate agenda that he's trying to just politicize something that is a scientific issue around the the warming of our globe. He's not saying this across the board. He's saying it on a very niche and narrow issue. And it's meant to be a wedge, meant to be politicized, and is meant to speak to his base right after he just got a huge knockout with Bill 124, an unconstitutional bill that hurt unions, hurt working people, and most sadly, for our front care health care workers who sacrificed the most over the past couple of years. Well, to, to just uh, push back again a little bit, I mean, or it's an issue of affordability uh, with the carbon tax. Let's uh, move to, speaking of affordability, the budget at the City of Toronto tomorrow will be voted on, our Valentine's Day present. Uh, there are reports that Olivia Chow may be changing her mind, Sarbjeet, on what is the gap between what the Police Services Board said they need for Toronto Police Service uh, and what the current budget both the mayor's proposal and the city budget proposal is of about $12.6 million. Your thoughts, if in fact reports are uh, true, that Olivia Chow is going to see the Toronto Police Service receive the full amount that they've requested? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, I've, I've worked in and around policing for over 10 years, and uh, 
It is a big, big aligned budget, and it's on the property tax bill. It's uh, one of those budgets that uh, doesn't get capped, like the healthcare workers and other workers. And uh, it's rising well, well, well above inflation. And uh, there's a lot of other needs, like uh, mental health and social support, that people in policing themselves will say that some of the reason our budgets are bigger is because we have mission creep, where everything has fallen on our doorstep. It's not the right person doing the right job at the right time necessarily. But it's an extremely complex sector. You know, you add a very, very strong union to it um, that uh, it's not something that I've seen any political leader really, truly challenge. And so I'm not surprised that she's backing down. But it's going to be an ongoing issue because affordability, like you said, and at the municipal level, this is the biggest chunk of the property tax dollar going to the police budget. Gratton, your thoughts on it? Well, like I said, we have the flip-flopper premier, Doug Ford, and then we have the deal-maker mayor, Olivia Chow. So if we if we look at the article that was shared about this, it's not that she backtracked so much as that she understood that this is a priority, and she secured hundreds of millions of dollars from the feds and from the province to help fund um, these uh, this gap in funding for the police. So she took the, the feedback from folks across the board. She was working on it. She's the dealmaker. She's someone who's able to secure millions of dollars of funding for provincially and federally, and she was able to secure that uh, funding now. The exact numbers, we're, we're still waiting to hear, but she's got that commitment from the feds in the province, and, and that's what has allowed her to move back on her position. This is not going to fall on the taxpayer uh, uh, because we're having that money come from the feds or the province. Uh, which would be provincial and federal taxpayers. So for those of us who live in Toronto... It's it's just one pocket yeah, versus mandate, the right? other There's pocket. There's only one taxpayer. Exactly. True. Can can I just Gratton? I need to give you political uh, points and say high five for sticking to your message because if Doug Ford changes his mind, it's a flip flop, and if Olivia Chow does it, she's an amazing deal maker. Well, so the, kudos. The proof for, is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding, right? She's secured the money. She's brought amazing change to the city. She's uploaded the DVP and the gardener up to the province. Versus Doug Ford, who's literally wasted so much money and time of our legislature on policies that he takes a position on, gets charged or gets investigated for criminal uh, corruption, and then has to reverse his position. So there's a clear distinction there. This is not about mm-hmm. messaging. This what is about, about the windrows? If we lose our windrows <laughs> over this, that's going to be the breaking point for me. I, I would, I would, oh God, I, I, I didn't even know what a windrow was. Um, the only person can I just, living in Toronto. Can I just say, Gratton, though, um, remember Doug Ford was on the other side of one of those deals. He actually was a partner in one of those deals. Guys, I apologize. We are out of time. Gratton Singh, Vice President at Crestview Strategy, Community Advocate and lawyer and Sarbjeet Kaur, co-founder of KPW Communications. Thanks so much to both of you for joining me on this Tuesday afternoon as our smart speakers. Coming up after the break, I'm going to ask you, was there a point in your life where you said, I have officially become one of my parents. After that heavy set of smart speakers, we're going to lighten things up. I'm going to take your calls in a few minutes' time. When did you say, oh my God, I am my mother? 416-872-1010. That's the topic we're going to discuss when I come back as your guest host, Jeb Hutton, on The Rush.